And we're back. That's right. If you uh, just listened to episode 48 of the podcast, we were doing our top 10 of 2017. So I had to break it up into two smaller episodes. And here's the conclusion. Our top five of 2017 on episode 49 of the podcast. Cue the music. Welcome, everyone, to the Entertainment Buffet Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Prosek. And I'm another one of your hosts, Jessica Quez. So, uh, yeah, Jess, we uh, just recently released our 10 through 6, and now we're getting down to our top 5 of 2017. How hard was your top 5? So, for me, my top 5 actually came together pretty well. Um, It was pretty much the same all throughout, but it was like my... six through ten that kept changing um but i just like a couple weeks ago like i don't know like maybe a week or so ago saw my number five so that was added um up high but other than that like it pretty much stayed the same but my issue this whole time has been that these movies are so good that like i love them all so much so even though my number 10 I, I, I love it. I love Wind River. I thought it was amazing. So I love them just as much. It's so hard to rank these because they're all so good and they're all so unique. And so it was really hard to like outweigh which one was better than the other because they were all so good. Yes, exactly. Um, this was definitely, like you said, um, difficult. Difficult, difficult, difficult. Uh, there's definitely been some times where some of these my five was my number three my number two was my number one you know it just it rearranged a ton but uh i'm i'm pretty happy with where they are now not gonna lie when we were doing our 10th or 6 i switched one of mine so like i'm gonna hopefully not tinker anymore um top 10s are hard but let's let's jump right into it. Let's not waste any more time. I'm sure you just listened to the other episode and you're like, ah, what's their number five? What's their four, three, two, one? Well, we're going to give it to you. So uh, our top five of 2017. Jess, what is your number five? So my number five was one that you mentioned on the last episode. My number five is I, Tanya. Uh, just oh, wow. Like you. Yeah, it's high. It's high up there. I was not expecting it to be so high. Um, but yeah, that's the one that snuck in at the last minute and, and spiked up the list and got to number five. Um, I think, I mean, like we were saying in the last episode, there are so many things that were so amazing about Itania. I think both of us really only have the one complaint that sometimes the CGI ice skating was a little much, but again, it was very forgiving given the circumstances of the production and everything. Um, sure. I, I loved it. I, I actually, I do like biopics. I like watching movies and learning about something. So I really do enjoy like that genre. And this was such a different type of biopic. It was its own type of movie, really. Um, like we were saying, like there's an unreliable narrator aspect to it. There's breaking the fourth wall. There's, um, using time in pretty much a linear type of way, but also messing with it a little bit in that it's mockumentary style. So we see the characters, how they're supposed to be now, and then where they are at when the event occurs. It was just all done, I think, in a really fresh and interesting type of way. 
Also, I mean, you and I were both, like, what, babies when the Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan thing happened. I don't know about you, yeah. but, like, even though I, I personally don't obviously remember that ever happening because I think I was, like, not even talking at that point in my life. I don't know. Um, but it was something, like, I had personally heard about throughout my life, like, the whole debacle because it was such a big weird moment in pop culture history that it was something like people were still talking about so what was even cooler about this movie is not only was it its own type of biopic and like a fresh take on the biopic genre in general it was not telling a new story it was telling a story like we had all known or we had all at least heard parts of um but it was a very very new way a new angle of telling an old story that so many people had heard before so even though like I knew how it ended and I knew what you know at least what I thought Tanya had done and what happened to Nancy Kerrigan it was all felt new watching it it was also different and exciting um as we were saying last episode the acting's amazing Allison Janey deserves every award they throw at her for sure she was the, <laughs> the movie's amazing but I think she's the best part really um and what I enjoyed, too, was, I mean, I think you'd appre- you appreciated this as well, being a comedy writer, is this movie wasn't a comedy, I wouldn't say. There was a lot of really heavy, dark moments, but it was true to life in that life is can be heavy and can be dark, but there can be some funny moments in the way that people talk and, like, what people say or how people react to something in a conversation. And to me, it, it did that. It, there were some, like, Alice and Janie herself her character wasn't really funny her character is actually like a really messed up woman but her dialogue was funny and some of the things she says were funny and some of the things she says in really serious moments were funny so for that it felt more like a true-to-life kind of movie um also I gotta say like Margot Robbie up until this movie hasn't honestly like super impressed me too much like she's a fine actress and she was different in Suicide Squad cool whatever but this was such a different role for her like she transformed into tanya harding like if you didn't know who she was you never would have guessed she's like new zealand or australian or wherever the fuck she's from like she seemed like (laughs) an american hunk of white trash through and through um it was just it was totally far away from like all of the roles she'd done with like wolf of wall street and that one will smooth movie that no one saw where she's also basically the woman in wolf of wall street all over again but it's it's just she's such you know this actress that like oozes sex appeal you would never think of her to be a character like Tanya Harding but it works and just a little fun fact too she was also a producer on this movie so she was she actually read the script and really liked it and committed to it and that's how they were able to get funding for it was because they had her name attached to it from the very beginning so it's also really cool that she made such a different jump acting wise but also like a really smart choice business wise because i think this movie's going to solidify her as an actress for like w- a while to come um so i i just think that that's a really awesome backstory to it is that she not only was amazing in the movie but behind the scenes too she was also really a big hand in making it happen and and adding to her own career and i mean this movie's getting her nominations already um yeah, so I, you know, it's a it's a very kooky kind of story, the whole thing with Tanya Harding, and I don't think this movie necessarily is about who you align with, if you're Team Nancy or Team Tanya or whatever. It's not, it's not about that. It's just a, a biopic about a really seedy, 
kind of questionable character. And for me, that was very different from what I'd seen before. Yes. Uh, as I mentioned before, when it was my number nine, it's 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 a great movie. Honestly, I could see rewatching it and it moving up on my list. Uh, I I definitely agree with everything you said. And one person I wanted to get a shout out to, uh, who isn't getting enough credit because there's Allison Janney, there's Margot Robbie, even Sebastian Stan, who plays uh, the husband, uh, better known as Bucky from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But um, shout out to Paul Walter Hauser, I believe you say his name. He played Sean, which was the buffoon friend of uh, Tanya Harding's husband character, played by Sebastian Stan. He is hilarious in this movie. He, like, I, I haven't really, can't say I recognize him from anything else. But, like, to, in the credits, they showed footage of the real guy and it's like, holy crap, he, like, transported into that role. Like, he's this guy who, like, he lives with his parents. He thinks he's this big deal. He's just like, I uh, work for a lot of uh, anti-terrorist groups in this. And they're like, and I love there's a part where the interviewer's like, you don't. He's like, but I do. And they're like, no, we looked it up. You literally don't. He's just like, but I do. You know, like, <laughs> he just... He's such a, like, I can't describe it more than, like, the perfect buffoon um, to where, like you said, you, you honestly probably think in this movie that this is all his fault and not Tanya's or not her husband's. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a great movie, guys. You really should check it out for many reasons. The performances, the writing. And it's funny how, like, we're seeing these resurgence of these stories that we were too young to understand. Like, we, Jess and I were both born uh, in the 90s, early 90s, so, like, we were children or babies. Uh, like, with OJ happened and, like, this Tanya thing. These were huge media scandals that, like, everyone had their own opinion. I think she did it. I think OJ did it. You know, all these things. But it's like the media blew everything out of proportion to where, like, we don't know the truth. We just know what the media told us. And uh, I think I like that in this movie. It does not just paint her as this horrible person, but tells her point of view and different points of view. So, yeah, I, Tanya, awesome choice. I'm glad it not only made your top ten, but it's it's high. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, I, my I, number I left it. Sorry, go. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, awesome. Um... My number five is a movie I saw twice in theaters. It is directed by my favorite director of all time at the moment, and that is Baby Driver, directed by Edgar Wright. Um, this movie, I feel like a lot of people are kind of forgetting about because it came out right in the summer movie season. It came out, I think, either a week or two either before or after Wonder Woman, so everyone was talking about that, and then there was stuff like Spider-Man and uh, War for the Planet of the Apes, Dunkirk, all these other movies. Everyone's like kind of forgetting about Baby Driver, and I'm afraid, like, we won't get into this, but there is a certain actor um, that had a scandal this year um, with many of the other people who had scandals that I'm like, ah. Oh, I don't want this guy being in this movie to ruin people from not seeing this movie because he's not the main character. Um, the main character, I can't, can't say his name, is like Ansel Egort or something I, like that. I just call him Ansel Yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. Because I can't say it. And I don't know. I don't like him enough to learn how to say his name. 
Ansel yogurt. Ansel yogurt. Um, it yeah, it's got John Hamm. It's got Jamie Fox. Um, it's got plenty of other people in it. So uh, I'm just not even going to dignify him with saying his name, but you guys could probably all assume. I'll just say he was literally removed from another movie that was in production <laughs> called All the Money in the World, and I think you could probably put it together. But don't let that... I, I don't even want to talk about that anymore because Baby Driver, it was so good as a movie. The thing that Edgar Wright did with music and the sound editing and the mixing, um, like there's so many parts where the background noise, um, just stuff on the streets plays to a song um there's this whole sequence where there's a shootout where you know the the famous song like tequila and it's like the the bullets are going to the beat and it's just like it's so much fun it's so unique and i also was so happy to see it do well because like a lot of the action scenes are pretty awesome and this movie's only made for like 30 million dollars which again we've we want to stress to people like, yes, $30 million is a lot of money, but in movie terms for an action movie with these kind of stars involved, that's not that much money. It's usually triple or quadruple that for real action movies. Like the star Wars movies are made for like two fifty to 300 million. So just so you are aware of, if you're not a big movie nerd, like myself and Jess, but, um, baby driver, I saw it twice. I probably could have seen it a third time. I bought it when it came out. And it's a reason why Edgar Wright is my favorite director is because he takes like this genre and puts his own spin on it and just makes it a fun time. And like, sure, there are flaws. Um, like some people think that like the lead is possibly a little bit weaker or that the ending was a little eh. But like, honestly... I think it's just such a thrilling ride and we need more movies like this in the action genre or uh, instead of these big blockbuster movies. Um, I think someone said that Edgar Wright could have even possibly gotten more money or something and I think he may have turned it down or I don't know. But uh, you just see all the stuff he does with this limited money. And I was so glad to see that it was successful at the box office. Cause I was really afraid Edgar Wright does not have a good box office track record, but in case you don't know who that is, he made Shaun of the dead, hot fuzz, the world's end, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. He almost did ain't man. Um, <laughs> yeah. So did you see baby driver Jess? No, I didn't. And like you were saying, um, I'm kind of one of those people that forgot about it actually. Like I, I don't I like I wanted to see it but I also didn't really care I don't like Ansel Yogurt like at all I can't stand to look at him so that's why I didn't and then you know who was the Voldemort in the real world so for him to be in it as well kind of turned me off from ever seeing it and then I just honestly forgot it existed um so I'm not opposed to ever seeing it I, I've heard a lot of really amazing things I heard the action's amazing it looks really cool and the soundtrack's great so I will at some point, but I am in that camp that totally forgot it existed. Yeah, but like like I said, like sure, a lot of people will talk about the soundtrack, like, you know, they brought that up with like Guardians of the Galaxy and movies like that. It's not just the song choices, but like this movie should win all the awards for either editing or sound editing or sound mixing because it does stuff with sound that I'm like, holy shit. Like I'm always just as a filmmaker worried about dialogue and the acting and this, like 
And I know like a bunch of people who are sound editors are probably like, what is wrong with you? There's so much stuff. But like he basically shows that like there's a whole nother side to filmmaking when you play with sound. So like I would say see it for that alone, but like forget about the main character, forget about the other guy. Um yeah. Uh if if you trust me at all, <laughs> it's worth seeing. And I mean, you know Dan Ott, our mutual friend who's been on the podcast, he was also a big fan of it, and I'm sure you trust both his and my tastes. I do, and you guys are not the only person that I've heard love it. So it's just, like, it's one of those movies, in my opinion, for me, there, again, are so many damn good movies this year that I still have so many more to get through that that's sort of lower on the totem pole. But, again, everyone I know loves it. So Not everyone I know. Everyone I know that's seen it loves it. So I will check it out one day, I promise. Okay. I mean, if we lived in the same state, I would just be like, come over and watch it, or like, I'll lend you the DVD. It's, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, Jess, what is your number four? My number four is The Florida Project, which is a movie not a lot of people have seen, very few have probably heard of. Um, the most recognition it's kind of gotten is Willem Dafoe has been up for Best Supporting Actor at the Golden Globes and the SAGs, and I'm hoping the Oscars, because he really is amazing in it. Um, so it also had a very limited release, too, so I think that's why not a lot of people were able to see it. Um, but if you ever see it on Netflix or on demand or whatever, I highly suggest this movie for so many different reasons. First of all, um, it is a beautifully shot film. Uh, it's directed by Sean Baker, who also did Tangerine, which was the movie that was infamously all shot in an iPhone, which is also on Netflix. You can check that out. Um, so the use of color and space is, is unbelievable. Basically, what it's about is the Florida Project uh, refers to a rundown motel that uh, poor, low-income people live in, hence Project, um, and it all follows a six-year-old girl over one summer while living in this, like, really nasty environment and and in such a messed-up world. But what's interesting is this is not a movie for kids. It is not really a movie about kids. It kind of is because it's the main character. But everything is told through the perspective of this really young child. So everything that we see, we see through her her innocence and her veil of naivety and, and not really understanding what is going on and, and sometimes when she's even in danger. Um, so I can't, like, truly describe what that's like, but it's... You know me. I don't like kids. I hate kids. So, like, I don't give a shit about children. But for me, like, this movie did it in such a way that I was transported back to my childhood. Like, that's how I felt watching it. I felt like I was a kid again watching it. And as you realize what is going on, you realize how, how sad her life is. But she doesn't really realize how sad it is because she's a, she's a child. She doesn't know. Like, um, this isn't really, like, a spoiler, but, like, just an example is there are these scenes where it's her bath time. And she's, like, super excited it's bath time. And we're seeing, again, it's all through her perspective. So, like, we just see her. She's playing in a tub. And then we keep going through other parts of the movie. And then we keep going back to this bath time. And during one of the bath times, it's just her in this tub. No adult supervision at all. Um, a man walks into the bathroom. You don't see his face. You don't see anything. You just hear a man's voice go, oh, shit, there's a kid in here. 
And you realize through that interaction, her mom's a prostitute. And every time it's bath time, she's going into the bathroom because she's got a, a client coming into the motel room and can't have this kid around. So it's like, Jeez. but you're like, oh my God, that's what happy bath time was all about. Oh my God. But there's never a moment where it's like, mommy, are you a prostitute? Like, it's never like that. Like, she doesn't even connect what it is. Like, she doesn't even know. So it's just, it's just an amazing way of telling a story and through such a unique perspective. I've never seen a movie like this before, actually. Um, and the cast is really great, too. Um, Willem Dafoe, like I said, he's in it. He plays the owner of the hotel and sort of like a like a paternal sort of figure for this young girl as well. Um, Caleb Landry-Jones, who's in three of my top ten movies, Get Out, Three Billboards, and Florida Project, is in it as well. Um, and then the young girl is a newcomer, like a six-year-old actress. I don't even understand how they got her to act as well as she did because there are some scenes where I am like how some people look at CGI and are like, how did they do that? Like, I look at this little girl and I'm like, how did they get that? How did they do that? How did they get her to cry like that? Oh, my God. Um, the woman who plays her mother is also a newcomer. Um, Bria Venati, I think is how you say it. And... She is incredible as well. Um, so it's a very small baby of an indie movie, but it's one that I think everyone should see, mostly because it's just also gorgeous. Just the way it's shot is beautiful. Awesome. Yeah, I've I've heard like lots of good things about that movie, and like you said, Willem Dafoe, like a lot of people thought was going to get uh, Oscars this year, or like a lot of awards attention. So, um, yeah, um, I, I, I'm interested in seeing that at some point. And like, now that what you've told me based on like the bath time thing, like, wow, that, um, yeah. sounds crazy. <laughs> it gets, it's heavy. It's a very heavy movie. It's not a movie to like, you know, see on a Thursday night when you just want to unwind. Like, it's not that kind of movie. It's a very heavy movie, but it's amazing. All right. So my number four is actually one we've talked about earlier, um, and my number four is Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, like I said earlier, I am a huge fan of Martin McDonough. He's honestly one of my favorite writers and directors right now, even though he's only done three films, In Bruges, Seven Psychopaths, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, both those other two I felt should have deserved award contention, uh, or at least been in the runnings, but I'm so glad that with Three Billboards he's finally getting that. Um, his stories, uh, like I've only read one of his plays, but I've kind of skimmed what some of the plots are. His stories are tragic. Um, Francis McDormand, a lot of people are saying gives one of the best performances, not just from actresses, but best performances of 2017. I would tend to agree with that. There's a reason why she's winning all the awards. Um, also the someone that people aren't talking about because his character is rather controversial but uh Sam Rockwell who uh has been winning supporting actor awards for his portrayal in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing Missouri um also getting nominations Woody Harrelson um he also does a fantastic job in this role um this movie is and I I hate using some people get confused when I use the term dark comedy, but uh, that's tend to what his movies entail, which is like one scene, it'll be very heavily dramatic, and then all of a sudden it'll be something that's like darkly hilarious. 
Um, so that's what I've always loved about his writing. He's a writer that inspired me to try to go into the dark comedy territory when I was honestly in Bruges and Seven Psychopaths were stuff that inspired me to write that style for my play. How does it make you feel? Um, and yeah, three billboards, it's worth seeing. Um, I hope that this doesn't get overhyped for people now that it's getting all the awards. Um, I, I think you should go into it with an open mind because it gives great performances. Like I think you were talking about earlier with true crimes, it has a realistic crime story that not everything is like wrapped up in like 30 minutes, like a law and order SVU episode, you know, (laughs) um, there's a lot of stuff that go on in here, and I there's many times where this film was like my number three or like teetered into my number two. Um, it, it's bounced around, but I think right now I have to keep it at my number four. Um, yes, uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Go see it. But uh, Jess, what is your number three? We're in our top three. We're in our top three. Okay, so I. You might be surprised this is not number one, but my number three is Star Wars The Last Jedi. So we talked about this the last episode, and we have a whole episode where we talk about our opinions on this movie, so I won't bore y'all to death with my thoughts on it. You can go back, if you're a huge Star Wars fan like me and Brandon, you can go back and listen to our whole episode on it. Um, But I will say that I am a lifelong Star Wars fan, and as a lifelong Star Wars fan, I thought this movie was fucking great. I don't care what any of you fanboys say, it was amazing. Um, but it did have flaws. I mean, of course, it did have some flaws. But overall, I I thought the action was amazing. Some of those lightsaber battles were out of this world. Um, there were sequences that were just so sort of new to the franchise in general. Like, um when Laura Dern's character decides to intervene and basically go on a suicide mission and cut through the Empire's... or The Empire... The First Order. <laughs> the First Order's ship. Like, that, the silence and just seeing that all in slow-mo. Like, I'd never seen anything like that in a Star Wars movie before. So something like that it felt very fresh and very different. Um, a lot of moments were completely unexpected. A lot of twists and turns in the stories that people didn't see coming um and you know what like I hate to play the feminist card but I'm gonna um the women in this movie were awesome and it was also really exciting like I was saying about my number six movie Wonder Woman I love action movies and comic book movies it was really exciting to see Wonder Woman be a character I could understand or relate to as a woman in Star Wars I've been like I said a lifelong Star Wars fan I love them but I love them even more when I have female characters that I can totally relate to, you know? And we we had more than just two or three. We had an army of, of these awesome female characters. Um, short plug, if you want to see my top ten last Ladies of the Last Jedi post, you can go to my blog, Unsolicited Opinions, where I talk more about the amazing female characters we had. Um, yeah, number three, Star Wars The Last Jedi. Yeah, like Jess said, episode 46 of the podcast, we dive deep into lots of details, lots of spoilers. So, uh, yeah, you want to hear all those thoughts, go listen to that episode. Um, yeah, I I agree with a lot of the things. Uh, like you said, so many awesome female characters. 
moments that were different. And yeah, I mean, I don't get me wrong. Just because it's my number eight does not mean I did not love it. Um, I still did, but I think it's just we've had such a good year of movies. Like if this came out last year, this probably this possibly could have been like my number one or number two, you know, but because it came out this year with so many good movies, it was kind of hard uh, to navigate where it belonged on my list. But uh, yeah, so um, my number three is one that honestly was my number one at one point. It was my number two. It's it's teeter-tottered. I, I could be pissed at myself tomorrow that it's not higher. My number three is The Disaster Artist. Um, yeah, if you want to listen to episode 47, just go and I, uh, the details for the, from what turned the room into The Disaster Artist, the book, to The Disaster Artist, the movie, uh, I saw this movie twice in theaters. I loved it. It was so much fun. Um, it is just a, honestly, like a lot of people talked about, La La Land was a story about like, f- you know, your dreams and this. And I'm like, no, disaster artist is. Like disaster artist, um, these two guys who aren't the most talented in the world, but have a dream and they want to pursue it. And this friendship, um, yeah, um, you don't need to see the room to enjoy this movie. I went to the movie with someone who had no idea what the room was until I told her about it that day. And she still enjoyed the disaster artist. So, uh, yeah, check this movie out. Uh, James Franco plays Tommy Wiseau, which is a weird guy. Tommy Wiseau, um, who the room considered the worst movie of all time. And now the disaster artist may be nominated for Oscars, the ultimate turnaround story. Um, Dave Franco's great in it. Um, uh, even the smaller characters like Seth Rogen and Paul Shear, um, Allison Brie. It's just a, it's just such a fun movie, and it was so well made. And they really easily could have just made fun of the room. They could have made fun of Tommy Wiseau. They could have just made this a, a dumb spoof movie and act like it's a big old joke. But they didn't. They took it seriously, and there's heart. And, yeah, I love this movie. I cannot wait to own it on DVD. So, and- spoiler alert, The Disaster Artist is not on my top ten. I know, I know, but wait, before you get mad, hold on. It's not even in your honorable mentions. Well, I knew you were going to say it, so that's why I didn't (laughs) say it, you know? I figured one of us would Uh, say it, but, um, okay, all right, I loved it, I loved it, you know I loved it, you know I loved The Room, I loved it very much, and I agree with you, it's such a great movie about having a dream and, and the dream of filmmaking, but it was one of those movies where... There were just other movies that I thought were better. I don't know. Like it was on. It was. Uh, it was in my lower. This is so much better than Wonder Woman. <laughs> uh, is, uh, but see, no, I disagree with that. But anyway, but I mean, I, I like. I did. I, I really, really enjoyed it. I, and there's not a whole lot of like flaws I could come up with off the top of my head or reasons why I didn't like it. I did like it, but for me, it just. I don't know. If it got knocked off. It did get knocked off. It was on my top ten, and then uh, then the roster started to fill up, and then it would, it would be at, like, 11. 
It would be 11 for me. Uh... But it's a great movie. <laughs> it's a great movie. It is a great movie. But I don't know. To me, like, there... Okay, my my thing, I think, was uniqueness. And while the sto- making of The Room is a very, very unique story, there's no other story like it, It there were other movies that were, like, actually original, not based on books. And I think... I like I like the Florida Project. Like to me, like that that was better than the Disaster Artist because it was like a totally new type of film, completely no book, no nothing, no Tommy, no nothing. You know, so I think that might have had something to do with it. But I did love it. I did. Like I said, it's this has been really hard. <laughs> I demand a recount. <laughs> I know there are just so many good movies. Gosh. Now, now, like I said, I'm always going to be like, but isn't it better than Wonder Woman? (laughs) I would say no, because I relate to Diana Prince more than I relate to Tommy Wiseau. (laughs) That's just me. But that's just me. You know. Okay. It's Um, (laughs) Just... Okay. okay. Zastars is phenomenal, guys. It's great. It deserves it, the praise. It does deserve the praise. Everyone should go see it. Really. Um, <laughs> Jess, what is your number two before you make me cry? Okay. Before I make you cry, my number two is a movie we both love. And it's on both of our top tens. It's much higher than mine. Get Out. Number two. I loved this movie so, so, so much. Um... I actually rewatched it the other day. My sixth You were mad movie. at me for the longest time when I hadn't seen it yet. <laughs> I know. I've now seen it like six or seven times this year. Because um, I literally either sh- make people watch it with me so that they'll see it, or I just rewatch it because I love it. Um, but for me, I love horror movies, and there has, I don't think, ever been a horror movie like it. Like, there's never, ever been a horror movie that sends such an important message about, like, social issues at all. Like usually horror movies, you watch them because you you want to like feel excitement or you want to feel like you've accomplished something after you've watched these like gruesome whatever you know. There's not really a horror movie where you walk away and you think, "Wow, I really like learned something." That's never happened before, but it did for Get Out. I mean, it it really did have a lot of interesting messages that I feel like because no one's ever really taken the horror genre very seriously before, and this movie is one that people are, which is really exciting. Um, I also think, for me, I I think, like, as a a writer, as a filmmaker, I really, really, really appreciate the impeccable details in this movie. Um, Just rewatching it, like, I realized certain things, like, I didn't pick up on that, like, add to the layers of the story... And the message as well. Like, there's just so many little pieces. There's the typical jump scares. There's the creepy moments. And then there's the things, like, that you meditate on a few days after that are horrifying to think about in terms of what the message was being sent about um, black culture in America. And, and yeah, okay, that was a horrifying moment in the movie. The more I think about it, that's horrifying in real life, too. So the layers of that and the detail of the horror I loved... Um, another thing for me, I tend to watch horror movies the way people watch football games. So I like, I act like the characters can hear me 
and like I talk to like I yell at them like how people think football players can hear them I am like don't pick up the gun get out of the house what are you doing like I'm always like Rah, what do you stop um but for this I wasn't doing that one because I was in a theater and I know to contain myself around people but two I felt like the protagonist did everything he could to get out ah see what I did there but like he like <laughs> He was so perfect in his fighting through it. Usually, like, at the end of a horror movie, or at any point in the horror movie, you're seeing your protagonist, and you just think that they're a fucking idiot. Like, how could they do this one thing? That never happened at all. And every every chance he got, he did something to fight for himself, and that, ne- that never happens. Usually the protagonists are stupid and making awful choices. This guy was not. He was kicking ass and taking names as much as he could. So I also really, <laughs> really appreciated that too. Cause I've, this was honestly, I can say the first horror movie where I was not like mentally or verbally yelling at the protagonist. I was like, okay, yeah, he's getting it. All right. He's getting, he's getting out. He's getting out. He's got this. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, Jess, on your number two, get out. Just, Okay, not to get too deep, but Jordan Peele gave an interview that I, I it was on the Nerdist podcast. I was listening to it before I saw the movie, and he had said his his goal through the for the movie is for anyone any walk of life to come in and watch it and just as clo- as as much as possible feel like what it's like to be a black man in America. I'm a small little white girl. I don't know what it's like to be a black man in America. I, I haven't experienced anything close to that, and I never will. But I felt with this movie, it communicated the issues and the struggles, and it put you in the driver's seat of the main character, who is a black man in America, and the issues he goes through. And so, I don't know, like, it was a horror movie that scared you, made you jump, freaked you out but also evoked empathy, which is really incredible. I don't, I can't think of any horror movie that's ever, like, made me a better person. Like, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, Get Out. Obviously, it's great. It was my number six and Jess's number two. And there's a good reason why it's a lot of people's number one of the year. And um, I, I think someone said that, like, okay... Some people complain that Get Out didn't win, like, a Golden Globe uh, for, like, Best Picture or didn't win writing. I hate to say it, guys. This movie does not need the awards. This movie was a wild box office success. It was made for a low budget with Blumhouse Pictures. They tend to make cheap movies. And it grossed a shit ton of money. It It made a ton of money. It was given like a 99 or like like almost 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, so it was critically great, financially great. Everyone loves it. Almost no one hates on this movie. So in the next five years, when people forget about, um, you know, movies like, uh, unfortunately, like The Florida Project or Shape of Water, or, like, these uh, other... Even maybe Three Billboards Outside of Missouri. Like, these movies that are getting all the awards, when people forget about those, they're going to remember Get Out. Get Out's going to be one that they buy, and that they rewatch, and then they tell their friends to watch who haven't seen it yet. It's going to be talked about for a long time. And I think that's more important than winning Best Picture, to be honest. 
I totally agree. I think it's already made such an impact on our pop culture. Like, I mean, it's only been out not even a full year, and people already, like, make references to it. Like, I was watching SNL the other day, and they, like, made a reference to it. Like, you know, so I think you're right. It's going to be the movie that stands the test of time more than maybe any of these movies this year because it's just so different and so original and so amazing, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like years ago when, you know, Slumdog Millionaire won Best Picture. Who remembers Slumdog Millionaire? People remember The Dark Knight that wasn't even nominated. You know, who remembers The King's Speech? Who remembers The Artist? All these Best Picture winners. No, they remember The Social Network. They remember, you know, Inception. <laughs> they remember uh, all these other movies that uh, came out that were entertaining and said other things. So... Um, please, people, don't assume that award shows are racist if they don't pick it out. Please don't assume that they are saying that this movie is less quality than the others. Honestly, I think it's it's above those that, like I said, it's just it's ingrained itself in pop culture in the last year it's been out. And I think it's only going to be regarded even higher later on um, as it's, you know ingrained into more and more people seeing it but um this is a movie my number two that honestly could be interswitched with my uh intertwined intertwined it could be flip-flopped with my number one but my number two i saw not once not twice but my most movie i've seen in theaters i've because i've I'm not like Jess. I don't see movies 12 times. Uh, <laughs> in theaters. I may watch it at home 12 times in like 14 days. But um, that movie is Logan. Jess, first off, before I rant about this movie, have you seen Logan? I haven't. I know it's on HBO now, so I should. I know. I. Uh, it's again, it's like Baby Driver. I kind of forgot it existed. I died. I, I died. I just you, you just killed me. <laughs> you <laughs> he just he killed actually me. like flopped back. So yeah, <laughs> but you're back now. Um, okay. Yes. So this movie, um, and I don't want to overhype it for you, Jess. I don't want to overhype it for other people. But this movie has so much more to it um, than people realize. Like so. Okay. Everyone talks about the MCU. And people kind of like to make fun of the X-Men franchise because there'd be a really great one and then a really shitty one. A really great one and then an awful one. It was like flip-flopping all the time. Timelines got all over the place. Casts would change. People were hard to follow. But who was the guy who was there the whole time? was Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. And let me just say, little Brandon, when he was eight years old in the year 2000, saw the original X-Men in theaters and this is the only franchise, the only franchise that I have seen every installment of in theaters at least once. Like, I didn't see Thor 2. I didn't see Star Wars because we weren't alive yet. You know, I've seen every iteration of X-Men. And Hugh Jackman literally was playing Logan or Wolverine for 17 years. Like, isn't that insane? <laughs> I know. I, like, I... I... I just, he's always going to be Wolverine to me. You know what I mean? He's going to do other things, but Wolverine will always be Hugh Jackman, in my opinion. Yeah, and, like, that's the thing is, like, he's done so many other things, like Les Mis 
or uh, other like musicals, other dramas. You know, we both say we love the movie Prisoners. Like he was great in that. He's a great actor, but like he's become synonymous with Wolverine, um, which for the longest time was one of my favorite comic book characters of all time. But like all that nostalgia aside, the reason I love this movie from a filmmaking pers like from a filmmaking standpoint is because superhero genre movies are getting shit on a lot nowadays. Everyone says they're all the same. Everyone says that they're 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 killing the business. They're overstuffed like there's too many of them. They're all the same. They suck. Like the it's superhero movies are getting a bad rap, which I will always say it's not superheroes movies fault. It's the bad superhero movies fault. Uh <laughs> It's the Suicide Squads. It's the, uh, you know, X-Men Origins Wolverine when that movie came out. It's those movies that give a bad reputation to the ones like this. So where Logan stands for me is, uh, and we'll probably do a top ten of, like, superhero movies someday, is it's right behind The Dark Knight for me. It is, I think, you know, you may enjoy Wonder Woman, and I, I understand why, but, like, from a filmmaking standpoint... Logan is shot beautifully. Performances that Patrick Stewart and Hugh Jackman honestly probably should be in Oscar contention, but probably won't be because they're like, oh, it's a superhero movie. It's like, it's not a superhero movie. It honestly, it feels like a great movie that happens to star a comic book character. And that's what's more, it, it feels more like a Western or like this, uh, like this story of like this old beaten down man uh, going on this one last journey kind of type of thing. Um, like, Jess, you enjoy Dark Knight, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, wasn't one of the things people loved about that movie is because it felt like just a cool crime movie. Um, it didn't have big CGI explosions. It was like kind of like a almost like a detective story with the Joker and all that kind of stuff. But mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's what is great about Logan is like it's a great movie that happens to star a comic book character. Um, I'll admit there are flaws to this movie, just like any other movie, and that's why it's not um, quite my number one. Um, but yeah, sorry, Logan. Uh, incredible performances. Uh, it, it made people cry in theaters. It has great action, um, but it's not all about the action. It's just a fantastic movie, and I don't want people to even lump it into the superhero genre because, it sure, he has powers, and people have powers in the movie, but it's not about that. It's about his journey it's about Hugh Jackman's last time playing this character and doing a final send-off for, uh, for someone he's been playing since the year 2000. <laughs> I was eight years old. Guys, I'm going to be 26 uh, in, in about a month. So, like, that's how long um. <laughs> he's been playing this character. Um, yeah. So I definitely recommend Logan to whoever hasn't seen it. Um, and I like how it's, it's violent and it's different. And um, it's kind of the Wolverine people who are comic book fans have been waiting for. Um, and honestly, like I said, I think Patrick Stewart should be up for supporting actor. He does. He is heartbreaking in this movie. Um, so, yeah, Logan, Jess, if I could give you any homework over the next couple of weeks, <laughs> that's my birthday present is watch Logan on HBO before they take it off. 
Okay. I mean, that's a really easy present. I don't have to go to the store or anything. That's, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess just that's bringing us down to our number one. All right. Do we want to real quick just say our five through two real quick to build a little should more just, anticipation? Should we, should drum we just roll? go big? Should we just go ten through two? Should we just do the whole thing? I think we should just do the whole thing. Sure. Okay. All sure. Right. Okay. I wish we had a drum roll, but whatever. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Number ten, <laughs> Wind River. Number nine, The Girl with All the Gifts. Number eight, The Shape of Water. Number seven, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Number six, Wonder Woman. Number five, I, Tanya. Number four, The Florida Project. Number two, no, fuck. <laughs> Number three, Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Number two, Get Out. And my number one for the best movie of 2017 or your favorite of 2017. My favorite, <laughs> and in my opinion, the best movie of 2017, is a very little movie that probably no one has heard of, but I want the whole world to, and that's Patty Cakes. <laughs> so, hold up. <laughs> now, if you remember back, I don't know what episode number it was, but when we did our favorite summer movies, this was my favorite summer movie. And... I've seen it a few other times, not in theaters, on DVD. I'll have you know I've changed my ways a little bit. Um, because <laughs> I, it's like Get Out, where I want other people to see it, so I have watched it so many times to make other people see it with me. Um, so you probably don't know what it is. Not you, Brandon, because I've talked about this to you. But listeners, if you don't know what Patty Cakes is, it's a really quirky indie movie that had originally made a lot of waves at Sundance last year, but has kind of got lost in the mix of movies with all these amazing movies and award season movies and other really well-known indie movies of this year kind of got lost in the shuffle, unfortunately. Um, but it is about an aspiring rapper who is fighting for her really unlikely dream uh, of becoming a rapper in her downtrodden hometown in New Jersey. One thing to mention is she doesn't look like most rappers. She's actually an overweight white girl who's, like, in her 20s. So right away when people look at her, like, the odds are stacked against her. Um, but it's... For me, I think it's, a, like, it's a love letter to anyone who's fighting for your dream. You don't even necessarily have to be in the arts, but if you are in the arts, I think you'd appreciate this more, whether it's music or movies or whatever, acting. Like, it's all about fighting for that passion and that love and that dream and wanting to make it happen and doing your hardest even when the odds are so stacked against you. Um, and I think the reason why I think it's one of the best, and in my opinion, my favorite movie of 2017, is because it has also a little bit of everything. It's got comedy and drama and those really amazing feel-good moments, you know, that kind of, like, give you chills when you watch in a movie. Um... Also, all the characters are, are very different. They're very fleshed out. This, this town she lives in it feels very much like a real town with real different types of people. Um, Patty Cake's relationship with her best friend feels really real. Anyone who's, like, you know, you and I, Brandon, like two people who have very similar goals and are supporting one another, it's, again, a love letter to those type of people. Um, also, it's incredibly original, down to, like, its soundtrack, 
All the music was actually written by Jeremy Jasper, who's the writer and director, first-time director also, a feature. Um, so it's just, it's just all around very original, very different, and and exciting and happy and positive, but also sometimes sad and true to life and dramatic. It has literally everything. Um, and I, I was actually, I've been really bummed that more people didn't get to see it. Uh, it didn't have a really good the- theatrical release. You can go rent it on Redbox right now, which I spend the 99 cents or however much Redbox is. It is worth it. Um, but I was, I was really bummed not only because it's such a great movie and I loved it, but I was also actually like weirdly bummed that more people didn't get to experience the joy and optimism that I did while, while watching this. So I don't know, like it's just a good like pick me up movie and it's a good movie to kind of set you on track if you're, if you're struggling with your dreams, if you're rethinking your choices when it comes to the work you want to do or the things you want to accomplish in life go see this movie. It's going to make you feel really great. And yeah, I think it's the best. And I'm sorry that my number one choice is not more exciting. It's not a movie (laughs) anyone has really even seen except people who are my friends who I have forced to watch it. Um, (laughs) But hopefully you listeners will check it out because I think if, if you're listening to this podcast, you clearly are interested in the arts in some way, shape or form. Maybe you're like us and you're a writer. Maybe you're like us and you're chasing a weird dream. If so, this movie is for you. And if not, there's so many other things to enjoy about this movie. Go see it. Patty Cakes. Wow. Yeah, I am surprised. I know. I but definitely thought... It was... It's, I mean, it, it came out over the summer and it was something... While I was thinking about the top ten, I was thinking about movies that like really affected me. And like really like... Like we were saying, like with Get Out, where it's not just like a good movie, but it's it's something that like kind of shapes how you think of things or what you see or what you do. And for me, it's that this movie, Patty Cakes, is again such such originality, such uniqueness, but also such optimism, and not cheesy optimism. You know, it's not like a Hallmark movie. It's real to life, like optimism, and it's just I don't I just I loved it, and it it affected me in such a great way that it always kind of stuck around as my favorite of the year. And then when I was writing the list, it was it was number one, like, immediately. Like, I knew it was number one. Yeah. Wow. Um, I'll definitely have to watch that at some point. Um, I'm still surprised that Get Out was not your number one. Um, <laughs> I know. Just because I... every time I mentioned I hadn't seen it, you're like, you haven't seen it yet? Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no. I'm like that with Just Patty Cakes, anyone's... too. But that movie does not get brought up in conversation ever so i can't yell at people i have to start the conversation about it myself (laughs) so yeah if anyone's looking for patty cakes it's spelled patty cakes but the s is a dollar sign so if it's confusing to find that's why i was just looking it up like i'm making it sound really cheesy by saying how optimistic it is but it is very like true to life and truly optimistic and that's what we need right now we need optimism (laughs) <laughs> okay, Jess, so my 10 through 2 was John Wick Chapter 2, I, Tanya, Star Wars Episode 8, The Last Jedi, Molly's Game, Get Out, Baby Driver, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, The Disaster Artist, Logan, and my number one is The Big Sick. Did you, I'm guessing you did not see this movie, Jess. <laughs> 
I didn't, but I've been wanting to. <laughs> <laughs> so the big sick, uh, I understand if some people haven't seen this one either. This came out in the summer um, when there was a lot of blockbusters out. Uh, Amazon released it. It was kind of a, a small indie movie. It was made for like $5 million, I saw. Um, it stars Kumail Nanjiani. Um, the Pakistani comedian um, you've seen on Silicon Valley on HBO, uh, some supporting casts. It includes Holly Hunter, uh, Ray Romano. So this movie, um, for those who don't know, this is actually based off of how uh, it was written by Kumail Nanjiani and his wife, Emily V. Gordon, who is also um, like in entertainment as well. Um, they, This is how they met. Um where they were dating, and basically you see in the trailer, like, she falls into a coma, and then he, that's how he meets her parents, um, is Ray Romano and Holly Hunter, is kind of like, hey, you know, like, nice to meet you, here's your daughter in a coma, you know, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's got, there's so many layers to this movie, so there's the storyline with uh, the Emily character. There's the story where Kumail, like a uh, minor thing is that he's an up and coming comedian in Chicago and wants to kind of get to the next level. Um, but also there's the family dynamic where he's Pakistani, where they still believe in arranged marriages. Like his parents, uh, were, uh, an arranged marriage, his brother, uh, his parents arranged his marriage, um, so they want to do an arranged marriage, yet he's hiding this, that he was dating, um, you know, an American girl from his parents. And so there's a family dynamic, there's culture dynamics, there's uh, meeting your significant other's parents, there's the relationship, the love story, his, like, personal career. It sounds like a lot to juggle. I don't know how the fuck the, both... Emily and Kumail wrote this so well, and also the director, Michael Showalter, um, known from, like, that old show Stella, and he's been in, like, Wet Hot American Summer. Um, I don't know how they did this. The movie's only two hours, but it feels like they handle so much, and also nothing feels short-sighted, nothing feels like there's too much. Like, some movies, you're like, oh my god, you tried to stuff so much plot in there, but this feels so organic, and... I'll just say, this is a movie I really needed in my life when I saw it. Um, I basically, I think I told this story once before for, like, favorite summer movies. But basically, right at the end of July to, like, middle of August, I was very stressed, both with something personal that some people know who know me. Um, you can take a guess. Um going on in my personal life, but also I was very stressed out because uh, we were getting ready to open up the premiere of my play, How Does It Make You Feel, in Chicago, and I'd never done a play before. And I was just stressed. So many things in my life. And honestly, it was the night before opening night of my play that I did not want to be home. I, you know, I, I just wanted to be out. I wanted to be doing something. I was, like, wandering Walmart, like... <laughs> <laughs> just like buying things I didn't need because I was just like, I don't want to be home. I don't want to be around my thoughts. So I was like, I'll go to a movie. I'll go to a movie by myself. And this is only the second time I'd done it. And I was like, I just want to escape. And so I went to the Big Sick alone. And there was probably only like 10 of us in there. And the movie just took away all my stress. 
it transported me into the story and for two hours I could just laugh I could almost cry I could just have fun and it literally did what movies are supposed to do movies are supposed to like take you out and just like entertain you and let you forget your problems for the time being of the movie and that's exactly what this movie did for me and I just, I literally forgot about all my stresses. I forgot about my personal problems. I forgot about my my stress with the play. And I was able to just enjoy this movie, which I think is a very special thing that not many movies can accomplish. Especially, you know, it's summer. There's a lot of action movies. There weren't many people in the theater. That could distract some people. But I didn't care. I was just like, it's me in this movie. <laughs> and um, the other reason why it's my number one, um, I honestly can't think of a single flaw with it. I know that seems crazy, but as a writer or a filmmaker, all these other movies on the list, um, besides like maybe like Get Out or you know Disaster Artist or whatever, like there's flaws. Star Wars has flaws. Logan has flaws. Baby Driver has flaws. All these movies have some flaws. I can't think of it for Big Sick. <laughs> I honestly can't. I watched it again with my parents on DVD recently who hadn't seen it. Still couldn't find any. And I'm like, that's... <laughs> it, I've never had that happen before where I'm like, oh, I wouldn't change anything. I honestly, if Michael Showalter or the writers came up to me and be like, what would you improve about this movie? I'd be like... I got nothing. I'm useless. <laughs> so The Big Sick, it is well worth the watch. It, it was great to support an independent film. I wish I saw it more times in theaters, and I know I'm going to watch it a shit ton on DVD. Uh, so yeah, rant over The Big Sick. <laughs> so was The Big Sick also your favorite summer movie when we did our summer episode? I believe so. I think it was. So our favorite summer movies from that episode are our number ones of the year. Which is crazy. It's crazy, right? Because so many other movies have came and went since then, you know? And we've seen so many other movies, especially in theaters. And those remained our favorites for the rest of the year. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny. All my close friends who knew I saw Logan three times, um, they're like, wait, Logan's not your favorite movie of the year? I'm like, no, because, like, I'll admit, there are some flaws in that movie. There's, Or at least, when I say flaws, there are things that I would change if I was, like, involved in the filmmaking process. Um, in my own personal opinion, I would change. But Big Sick, I would literally change nothing, which seems crazy, but it <laughs> it's just that good to me. It has drama, it has great acting, the writing's great, it's funny, um, it's heartfelt. Um, I related to the characters, just like everything you're looking for in a movie, honestly. Well, you and I should do some movie homework and watch each other's favorite movie of the year. Because you haven't seen mine and I have not seen yours. <laughs> yeah, and there was actually a good mixture of our top tens where we had some similar ones, but also some movies that the other hadn't seen. Yeah, there was a lot. I think, what, Three Billboards, I, Tanya, and Get Out were only the only movies that made both lists, right? And Star Wars. <laughs> and, oh, duh. Duh, of course. I feel like Star Wars didn't even have to say that, though. Of course, that was duh. And Disaster Artist should have. I Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was, and then I saw The Girl with All the Gifts, and I was like, oh, shit, this movie's amazing. Uh, amazing. So, like... Damn girl with her gifts. She has so many gifts. <laughs> ah, all of them. All of the gifts. Oh, goodness. 
But yeah, I think, I mean, this is, this was really hard though. This was really hard to choose the, the best. It was hard to choose 10 great movies, the best 10 movies of the year, but then decide which were your favorites out of those 10. It was really, really hard because again, there were so many good movies. Um, but yeah, listeners, if there's any that we missed, please suggest them because there are still so many good movies from this year out there that I haven't seen yet. Yeah, which I think that that says something we've we've said it numerous times. Two thousand seventeen had a lot of great movies, but like okay, a lot of people when they make top ten lists of the year, you'll see like six or seven, eight crossovers or like the same list just reordered. But literally opposed to twenty movies, we had like what like sixteen different movies, you, you, uh, like the like you said three billboards, uh, Get Out, I Tanya, Star Wars were the only repeats. All of our other ones, our other six on both lists, you know, were different. And it may be because the other hadn't seen this and you hadn't seen this, I hadn't seen this. But still, I think that says something that we have completely different lists. Yeah, and like and the, the movies that we did have on the same list weren't even by each other. Like I had some <laughs> that were lower, you had some that were higher, like... So again, it's just I think that speaks to like just the richness that we got to experience out of all these movies this year. Definitely, definitely. But yeah, those are our top tens of two thousand seventeen. Jess, how do you feel doing? Uh, were these like was this like your first time you've had to do like top ten lists for something? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, especially when of this size of the whole year. Yeah, I usually. You know, I love so many different types of movies that I don't usually, like, formulate a top ten at the end of the year. Um, or, in some cases, there weren't even ten good enough movies to be on my list. So, yeah, this was the first time where I actually, like, really thought back about every movie I watched and how I felt and what were the strengths and weaknesses and comparing that to the other ones. Yeah, I'd never actually made a list like this before. But it was good homework for our 50th episode. Yes, that's right, guys. Next episode is episode 550. I know that's a lot easier for some people to attain that go weekly, but we're a bi-weekly show. And yeah, so we finally got there. Um, Like we said in episode 48, guys, episode 50, we're doing not just a top 10, but we're revisiting uh, top 10 of all time. Jess... I've, I have no idea what's on your list. I have an idea, one, because you told me one that's one of your favorites of all time. But I have no idea what the rest of it can be. There are so many possibilities. I know you have different tastes. You know, that's the nice thing is, you know, you like horror and this, and where I tend to like this type of movie. And, uh, yeah, I also, like I said, from episode two, when I did the top ten two years ago, like you see other... Like, AFI does their top ten, and then they reshuffle them after a few years. That's what I'm doing. I I threw some off the list. I moved some up, added some new ones. There may be one that's on this list that also may make the top ten of all time. I Honestly, there were a few... There were a few on this list that I was like, God, were these, like, my favorite of all time now? Um, Same here. I agree. And I'm like, (laughs) I really have to consider if it's just, like, a novelty. Like, I just love them right now. Or, like, will I love them in ten years? I don't know. That's, But I agree. I don't know. Patty Cakes and Get Out might be up there. (laughs) I don't know. It's so hard. It's so good. Don't uh, even get me started. We we gotta swap movies. We got, you you gotta watch Patty Gigs. I gotta watch The Big Sick. 
Because I have, I mean, I, I gotta see it. I gotta see it. Yeah. Yep. And the whole world needs to watch Patty right. Cakes. Like, everyone needs to fucking, no one has seen it. <laughs> Jesus. Don't even get me started. Don't even get me started. <laughs> yes, definitely. Everyone needs to see Patty Cakes. Everyone needs to see The Big Sick. They need to see Get Out, I, Tanya, Three Billboards, Baby Driver, all these movies. Go see them, guys. And uh, what are your top tens? Please comment. Leave a review. Do you think we're full of shit? Or do you think we, you totally agree? We want to hear it. You leave a review, we'll give you a shout-out on the next episode of the podcast that we record. Email us, entertainmentbuffet at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. If there's somewhere that offers podcasts that we're not on, let us know. See if we can put it on there. Um, and also, please subscribe to the Entertainment Buffet channel. Check out entertainmentbuffet.com, Facebook, Twitter. We've got tons of new stuff coming from you, uh, and uh, including short films, sketches, web shows, and in Chicago, a new live show that's going to be coming in the spring called Out of This World, where it's kind of like Twilight Zone slash Black Mirror meets darkly comedic stuff. Um, so yeah, be on the lookout for that. And, uh, yeah, Jess, where can they find you online? So on Twitter, I am at JessQuaz. And on Instagram, I am at Quasica. And this week, I would like to plug my blog, uh, Unsolicited Opinions. I will be doing a top ten list, the exact movies you heard here, but with more detail. Um, that'll be the next big post, so look out for that on Twitter. Again, that's at JessQuaz. And you don't have to just say this time. You can plug that every episode if you want. I know, <laughs> but this time there's one very specific to a flow. But it just works. It all works. It's, you know, yes. whatever. Um, Read it. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the pros, T-H-E-P-R-O-Z-E. And, uh, yeah, like I said, check out Entertainment Buffet anywhere you can. Um we may have, uh, down the road, we may have to start upping how many episodes we release. Or maybe Jess will get us going on an Instagram because we're so behind. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it. I, I know. She, she's got that She's got that hashtag game. Is that what <laughs> the kids are saying? Yeah. I mean, they were saying that two years ago, but I'm sure they're still saying it now. It's fine. <laughs> I regretted it the moment it left my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jess. Anything else you'd like to say before we sign out? Uh, just thanks for listening, and I hope you guys, wherever you're at, gym, in your car, wherever, going to work, coming from work, I hope you're having a great day. Ditto.